This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder. Do you love it too? Carrie. Miranda. Samantha. Charlotte. Cosmos. Emotions. So many Every little dude. The dudes, and we couldn't help but wonder with Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee, and I'm Rose Cerno, and this is Couldn't Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to us. Oh my goodness, we're back, we're in business. How's it going, Rose? It's going great. I do need to say a big thank you to Jamie Lee for um, creating some awesome merch for us. I don't know if you guys have seen on the internet, but uh, Jamie made some really cute, really fabulous um, sweatshirts that say, I'm a Marantha, and then couldn't help but wonder pod. So in case you don't follow us on Instagram, but you do listen to the pod, we have awesome merch that you can find on our Instagram. Yes, uh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that I created them, but I have to give a shout out to our amazing artist who helped us. She did the graphics and her name is Lauren Moran and she's just super talented. She also does all of the artwork for my husband's podcast. So she's uh, she's already in the podcast family, if you will. And she did a great job. And uh, yeah, I kind of just came at it from this place of always, always thinking it's like very cool to have merch um, and always wanting to have it and always loving merch from like other shows that I love um, podcasts and such. So yeah, I, I, it's weird to be like, I'm happy that the quarantine has given me the time to even work on it. But it is kind of true that like before I just was like, I don't know when we'll get around to actually like being able to lock this thing down, but you know, lots of time on our hands. So now we have cozy, comfy sweatshirts, which truly it's all I'm wearing right now, um, during the quarantine. So it feels kind of like the only thing worth spending money on fashion wise. Um, if you are going to do that, so, you know, it, uh, it helps everybody. Yeah. We didn't make like, couldn't help but wonder like Cor- leather corsets. <laughs> but honestly, if we start to lose our minds even more than we already have, that that could be coming down the pipeline. So. Oh, my God. It would be fun to have couldn't help but wonder oh, masks. Oh, my God. Spaces. What would they say? CHB. What would they oh, say maybe, on them? Oh, is there like. I'm a Miranda. Yeah, or it could be like, oh, man, I was trying to think if like. Yeah, if, if it was like a way to like superimpose Sarah Jessica Parker's like lower half of her face, yeah, mouth. <laughs> her mouth. Oh. <laughs> so we're like half, a half Carrie face. Um, yeah, that's but, great. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Rose, question, question to kick us off: Who were you this week? Who are you this week? Well, I have a lot of survivor's guilt about this, but I think I'm Carrie because. 
I feel really cozy in my clique. I'm like in my house with my sister, who's like my number one, and my little oh, baby nephew he's so and my brother-in-law. Sweet. Every photo you post of him, Thank I'm like, you. why is that not my child? He's so cute. I know, and he's obsessed oh. with me, which is really cute. The first thing he says when he wakes oh. up, he doesn't want to be be with anyone but me. It's That's really so cute. sweet. I know, but actually it's funny because I was going to say I'm a Carrie or any of the girls because I just feel very, you know, I usually live alone. I spend a lot of time alone and that's all good, but like I'm staying with my sister and it just feels like I'm in this cozy little family. I mean, I'm writing all day good, downstairs, good. but then I, then I join everyone for dinner and breakfast and we have these big so meals fun. and it's been a while since I felt like part of yeah. a fam. So that's really nice, but it's funny because now that I keep talking about my nephew, I do have to say that my sister's basically a stay-at-home mom right now. And I'm just like a fun, I'm like a fun kooky aunt. And I just get up there and like get the love and then I just come back and work. And it does make me think like, I don't know, every every day I feel less and less like I have to have I kids. mean, the fact that you can have a nephew to spend time with and to love and to get to, you know, squeeze and cuddle and be there for and still be like an authority figure kind of but like only the fun parts of it it's like the best I mean my aunt I've said this before I'm an only child and my aunt I consider to be she's kind of like a second mom slash big sister so she's kind of this like perfect person in my life and she's always she's always felt so important to me very much in the same way my parents do. It's not, there's not really much of a separation in my mind. I just kind of see her as like, and it, like there's my mom and then there's sort of more of my mom in my aunt. So yeah, it's right, kind of yeah. incredible. I mean, I, like I, the other side of it, looking towards what it's like to have an aunt. It's like a very special thing to be close to your aunt. Yeah. And like, I think kids are probably a lot more just, I just, he's so much work. I mean, he's 18 months. It's like, you can't turn no. your head. If, if you're with him, you have to be literally with him every right. second and be entertaining. My sister is so unbelievably patient and fun and kooky. And she's always at an 11 with him and like just watching her makes me tired. So I think probably for someone like me, um, kids probably get a little more fun when they're a little less work, like maybe when they're like 10 and they can like sit and draw and do something. You don't have to literally do like a tap dance right, like right, show right, right, for them right, at all right. hours. Or like worry about their constant path of destruction. Like, yeah. Oh, we all call, we call them destructo. It's like, if <laughs> yeah. there's anything, oh, he's like, oh, a glass box of shards. Yeah. I want to eat like, them. Right, right, yeah. right. Ooh, a nail. I wonder what it would feel like to step on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I get that. And who are you man, this week? Shout girl? out to ants. Just to wrap that up. Love, I love know. a good ant. Um, this week, I guess I was a bit of a, you know, I guess a bit of a carry in that I'm really trying to, I've never been someone who cared or not even cared. I've never prioritized or put effort into home decorating in any way. I've always been like, I'll spend money on clothes all gosh dang day. But I don't care Same. about like a cool rug or like some like chic ottoman. Like it's just never been something that I cared about. I'm like IKEA is fine until I die. Like I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, Target. That's such an interesting thing about you because you have like really, really 
really specific, high class, upscale taste in like makeup and skincare. It doesn't and, much. I agree. It doesn't make stuff. sense. It's so, it's no, so no, no, no. I agree, and I appreciate that you see that in me. And I agree, it does not. It it doesn't quite <laughs> add up. And I'm not really. It doesn't, it doesn't track. track. Um, it's definitely not on brand. But you know, <laughs> it's no, not. And I don't know what it is. I wonder if there's something deeper that's like not allowing me to like commit to where I live or something like that. It probably is some kind of psychological thing. Is it? I or- don't know. Well, I'll, well, the reason I say that is because now that I'm spending all this time in my house, I was like, you know what? Stop being above the fact that your surroundings do impact your mood. And especially yes, that's true. Okay, fine. You don't want to like zhuzh up your bedroom. Well, maybe give a shit about your office, like the place that's supposed to, you know, inspire you. Inspire. Yeah. So I did a target run, run a socially distant, responsible one. And Great. I got to say the difference that like a new lamp makes, I, I mean, it's crazy. I got, a, I got a lamp, I got two lamps and uh, a lava lamp and then a plant, a fake, I saw it a looked fake really plant. Cute. Thank you. I mean, it's so stupid. I had it's it, whatever. It takes forever to heat up. And so I only get maybe 20 minutes of lava before it's time to turn it off. <laughs> Wait, 20 minutes of lava before I have to turn it off is so funny. <laughs> so it's not. It's so 70s it's that you so, got a lava I mean, lamp. So You're like, cheap. I got a doors poster. I got exactly. A s- I mean, I, I was honestly, again, that's such I a don't funny care. Thing. So I was like, yeah, a lava lamp. That's like what you get to decorate things. Like if you're 12. You know what? I love this about Jamie. It's like she's got a very specific comedic voice, very specific clothes. But when it comes to like decor, she's like, I don't know. Lava lamps are cool, right, guys? I'm she's like, they're still cool, right? It's so dumb. I also it's got like a sign. Mara Hoffman, all this great clothes, <laughs> Samantha Pleat. And then all of a sudden with the I home, you're Mara like, Hoffman. Uh, per- Purple yeah. curtains, purple no, the ones curtains? that you can see in my bedroom right now are turquoise. And by the way, this is how little I give a shit about home decorating. They're not even mine. They were left over from the people who lived here before. Like I didn't even bother I love to this replace about them. You. It's terrible. Anyways, it's your one aesthetic. It's misstep. a huge misstep. But I guess my point is, if you you know we're not supposed to be going out much right now or at all really. But if you do happen to do a socially responsible dash to whatever essential business is open. I, I highly recommend investing in your surroundings, um, even if it's small, even if it's literally just getting a house plant. It has changed my totally. whole week. I was feeling so unmotivated for many, many weeks. Um, I mean, initially it was just like the sort of shock and trauma of everything going on, but also just not really enjoying my house and kind of, and I felt this for a while where I was like, I want to move, but I don't know where I would want to move. But anyways, yeah, investing in in your surroundings, um, even in the smallest way, can make a huge difference. Um, and it's kind of almost the same effect of like, you know, being like, you know what, I will take a shower today or whatever it is. I, I am showering. It's not a great example. But I think it's that same thing of like giving a shit about something makes it seem better. So the fact that I was like, you know what, I'm I'm going to have an office that yeah, I care totally. about. It, it made a big difference. So anyways, yeah, I feel like Carrie because I'm starting to, you know laptop at home and sort of start to be productive again a little bit be like a little sensual yes exactly yeah I'm just a sensual chic work at home bitch exactly so well I love to hear it um yeah I I I feel guilty saying it because it's like also my job ended a couple of weeks ago and I was shocked at first, but I'm okay a little I'm okay for a little while. So it's I actually feel and I feel extremely 
uh, awkward saying this because I know that some of our listeners are nurses and they're on the front lines and they're working 18 hours. Or the opposite where they just are waiting to see if they still have a job. I'm broken, stressed. Yes. So I really apologize, but I I do feel very cozy right now and I'm with my family and I'm reading and I'm writing and... No, I think I'm that happy, I so. think that I also I I'm not with my family, but I feel like I there is something where I turned a corner a little bit this past week, and I think it might even be as simple as like this is starting to feel like the new normal, which I think is something everyone feared at first. Um, but because humans are so adaptable, it, you know, there there's something about like you do start to adjust, like it's just human nature. You will start to kind of succumb to whatever the circumstances are and I think with that comes a little bit of I won't say peace but maybe routine and not feeling just straight up panic all day um it's still there but it's it's not as intense as it was initially um so yeah whatever that means well I'm happy to hear that I also want to say before we kick into the episode I really I do want to say um We've been getting. Oh my God, I knew you were going to say this. Yep. We've been getting the best messages. People are really opening up to us. Ooh, there's one I really want to read. We had a a listener reach out about season three, episode 17, where Carrie wants to go apologize to Natasha. And we were saying um, that we kind of felt like the writers. um, You know, we're sort of dragging Carrie uh, for her for uh, cheating. And this was kind of their way of being like, well, you know, as a woman, she like needs to apologize to make this right. And how, you know, in when men do the same thing on TV, uh, that is not the case. They kind of do it unapologetically. But I thought we had a really interesting perspective come in um, through uh, Instagram message. So I'm just going to read this. Um, Hi, so I just listened to the latest episode and I had a completely different read on the Carrie apologizing situation. I never read it as a punishment. I think Carrie cannot handle the idea that someone in New York doesn't like her. There's a whole episode later in the series where she cannot handle that one of Aiden's exes has a mad face about her, which is actually the episode I believe that Heather Graham is in. Um, So yeah, she says she's shown no guilt or remorse until she sees Natasha. Only then do we see any regret. But I think it's about people pleasing and about her ego, not the fact that she's a woman. And then she said, I can totally relate to it, too. I can barely handle the idea that anyone doesn't like me. I I, tr- I think we all can kind of feel that. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was a, an interesting perspective that I wanted to share because I had not thought of it like that. That was really interesting. Yeah. We also had an interesting, uh, we had a bunch of comments about that episode. We uh, had a gay male listener yep. write in and say that, he also had experiences with cheating and he was saying that he was wondering if this was about a gay couple, if they would make the more quote unquote stereotypically femme guy be more apologetic mm. because he's more female. It was interesting. And then That's we so got a very personal. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's a good question. Um, and then we got a really personal, really lovely, warm, personal message from someone who has experienced cheating and been on yeah, both ends of it incredible and she was mentioning that the way people had treated her husband for cheating on her like it was her fault and then when she cheated on him it was also her fault so she was really relieved to have our perspective so anyway yeah um 
obviously, Jamie and I love the show Sex and the City, but really we do this because we want to talk about relationships in life. And so the fact that this resonates with you guys at all just makes us so happy. So just know that we we really love that. It just means a lot to us that you guys uh, respond and share what's going on with you guys. Obviously, it can feel like a one-way relationship because we're talking to you and, and it means so much to us when you share um, and we, we love the comments. So thank you so yeah. much. Just that. Thank just you thing. guys for taking the time. And, um, also, you know, I think <laughs> I've always been like, I I'm just like very in awe of our listeners. Cause I definitely listen to podcasts and feel really invested, um, but never reach out. And I really appreciate that you guys take the time to engage with us. I think that's really special. And it says a lot about our listeners and this podcast. So it really, it really means the world to us, especially during this love time them. when we're just, fucking sitting here twiddling our thumbs or at least that's what it feels like <laughs> um okay well twiddling our twiddling dicks, our dicks. Okay. so okay here we go uh guys very exciting mm-hmm. we are entering season four today Woo! okay season Woo-hoo. four episode one the agony and the x to see rose take it away season four kicks off with the core four going to an engagement party for their friend danny who they all kind of used to hook up with at some point when they get there danny somehow forgets miranda's name samantha wanders off to flirt with an agent slash asshole named phil and charlotte makes people uncomfortable by oversharing her and trey's marital problems to complete strangers and to make the married people at the party comfortable miranda essentially does five minutes of stand-up on how single she is making everybody laugh the overly self-deprecating humor weirds carry out she thinks it's more weird and sad than funny after the party charlotte swings by trey's place to talk are they married are they separated what the hell are they instead of answering her and trey start to hook up and he jizzes on her leg it's not the most productive (laughs) catch-up and back at her place carrie checks her mail to find an unwelcome letter a dating application showed up to rescue her from chronic singlehood. Dear single. Single? You don't even have a name? Well, I'm single. I don't deserve one. Oh. That's the postal equivalent of a drive-by shooting. Yeah, and I thought those 57 menus I get every day from Hunan Moonan were annoying. Mm. Look at this. Don't let your soulmate slip away. Oh, I know. It's almost a threat. It's like, we have him. He's just waiting for you, but hurry, because he's slipping, slipping away. Oops, there he goes. Soulmates only exist in the Hallmark aisle in Dwayne Reed Drugs. I disagree. I believe that there's that one perfect person out there to complete you. And if you don't find him, what? You're incomplete? It's so dangerous. All right, first of all, the idea that there's only one out there, I mean, why don't I just shoot myself right now? I'd like to think that people have more than one soulmate. I agree. I've had hundreds. Yeah, and you know what? If you miss one, along comes another, like cabs. No, that is not how it works. Oh, okay. But you're still looking outside yourself. It's saying that you're not enough. Are you enough? Actually, today she's too much. Look, the bad thing about the one perfect soulmate is that it's so unattainable. You're being set up to fail. Exactly, and you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, and it makes the gap between the holy grail and the assholes even bigger. Well, I don't care. I believe in soulmates. What do you think, Jamie? Do you believe in soulmates? I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I don't Char. I don't. Um, I, yeah. Um, I think that, I think that, um, I don't even really know how to explain what my point is, but I think it's more like, 
you know, the way it's all through whatever lens you view things. Like I, I look back on certain relationships that I had and I'm like, wow, that was really special. And then there are other ones where like, oh, that was a bit of a misstep. Um, but I never reduce it to like, uh, he was my soulmate or he wasn't my soulmate. I, I just, that to me just feels sort of like a, a quest. Um, and it feels like, I don't necessarily think it means that you're saying you're not enough, but it does feel like you're saying unless things, um, look a certain way and feel a certain way that you haven't, that must mean you haven't found the person who gives you those things. Um, cause it, it, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense, but I, it just, it just sounds like a really long, arduous journey, um, that might not be attainable. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I think that, that even just listening to that clip, it just feels so childish, the concept of soulmate. And I don't think that marriage or love has to be, I think when people emphasize the hard work part too much, it's maybe not, not the best no, relationship. Absolutely. But, but I do think that something we've quoted many times on this pod, because I love it so much, is as Dan Savage says, you find someone who's a 0.68 and you round them up to a one and, and somebody is doing that to you too. I do think that the problem I have with soulmate, there's a couple problems I have with it. Number one, there are billions of people on this planet. You really think there's only one person you could have a great time with. That's a joke. If you've ever been to like a fun party, even when you're in a relationship and had a great flirty conversation with someone, you know, that's not right. true. Like it's just it's not, not true. Um, right. So there's a problem with the one thing. Also, it's like, what happens if you're a widow or somebody dies? You just never marry that's again. Like, saying. Yeah. So the one thing is a problem. And then the second part of the issue I have with it is I think it builds up this idea that there's a person who's like not going to annoy you and like exactly. not going to have – even if you're happy, happy and in love and in – They're still a still human being. Annoying. They're not some like <laughs> like creature from the sky that descended upon your life. They're still like a human yeah, being with flaws. Right. I think soulmate like – insinuates this relationship where two people are just like their honeymoon phase for the whole time. It's actually time, quite which manic. Which I just don't think is real. It's it's a little manic. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's not – yeah, it's sort of like pixie dream dust fairyland. Really and you're like you live on planet Earth. It's going to still be a planet Earth relationship. Yes, I agree with that. It's just a very fairy tale, childish kind of idea. And I think it actually puts a lot of pressure on people who actually are in good relationships. It makes and them doubt. There's people who have been probably, in like – yeah, it makes you're saying that it makes them doubt what they have because it's not this like ecclesiastic, yeah, wonderland. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, the people always people who haven't been in very long relationships get really scared about like a common question you hear people ask couples who've been together for decades is like, oh my God, is there still passion? Is it still sexy? Is the romance gone or whatever? And then generally what you hear from people at that age or they're like, it just changes. It's just not the same thing. And the truth is if our relationships were as intense as it is in the first couple of months for decades, like literally you wouldn't even work. You'd just be fucking a hundred percent. And you wouldn't even leave the house. Yeah, it's like, like the economy would fail if we all had soulmates. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the coronavirus of romance. <laughs> right. That's so funny. That's so true. Yeah, the economy it would, would collapse. Do you think it, coronavirus yeah, is bad? Yeah, wait till everyone's in love on that level. <laughs> We're fucked. 
That's so funny. So, oh God. Yeah. You think coronavirus is bad? Wait till you, wait till the Taurus meets the Pisces or whatever. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's just true though. And also, yeah, I mean, if you're out there being like, I haven't found my soulmate, um, you know, part of it. Yeah. What's your advice? Well, I, I, I started to give advice and I was like, who am I to give advice on this? But I, I, I do think, um, I think that it was interesting. I think it was Miranda, Miranda or Samantha who said it, um, that like, it's almost like saying you're not enough. Um, I, I first, when I heard that, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what it is, but I guess there is a piece of you're putting so much pressure on yourself to feel a certain way when you meet someone and have that sustain, you know, forever until you die. It it is like, give yourself a break. Like give yourself a break. Like you're, it's okay. If you, if you think that you're in a relationship that doesn't fulfill you, that's one thing. But if you're in a good relationship, like the Dan Savage situation where it's a 0.68 and you're rounding up, you're doing great. Like, you know, there's a difference between being happy and being manic. And I had a therapist tell me that once. And sometimes we, we have this sort of idealized, um, view of happiness and really happiness is just kind of being okay. It's, it's not always like a fucking high where you're just like riding a unicorn into a rainbow sunset <laughs> to fuck to fuckville exactly to juicy yeah, fuckville yeah it's getting it, drenched you can have those moments but it 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 it's it's not sustainable it's not going to be that constantly so you know give yourself a break and obviously if you're in a relationship that is is not warming your heart properly i think that's one thing that listen to your gut follow your instinct but there is a there is a, a difference between, you know, uh, happy and sort of psychotically happy. Yeah, that's a really good point. My therapist said the same thing once because um, of like based on my attachment style, anxious attachment style. He was saying people with anxious attachment style like crave really like up and down, like really exciting, like fiery you know, well, stimulating. And he was like, that's, he's like, that's not what a real relationship is about. He's like, he's like, it's still really fulfilling and wonderful. He's like, but it's more of a like steady simmer than like this, like, right. Explosive. Thing. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to have like the like EKG needle, like up and down, up <laughs> yeah, and down. Like- <laughs> um, but yeah, also I do think that romantic comedies um actually not sex in the city i actually think sex in the city is maybe one of the only sort of like female driven romance driven comedies that actually doesn't feel as much like a romantic comedy in the way romantic comedy movies feel where they sort of feed you this idea of like what love is supposed to look like and like having a meet cute and you know, oh, he was the one, he, he was he was my best friend and he was there all along and oh my God, how did I not see it? Like Sex and the City actually deals with issues that are real. Like it deals with cheating. It deals with being in love with someone who's like maybe not right for you and maybe you should end up with him, maybe you shouldn't, but you're going to because that's sort of how you feel and it's not going to be perfect. Like I, I, it really does make me appreciate this show, the fact that they're even having this conversation. Whereas, you know, a lot of movies that we love that are hilarious and very heartwarming you know, they really, they really pump you full of believing in soulmates. And I just appreciate that this is the show that still has that, that romantic undertone while having these honest conversations. Yeah. It's kind of funny because it's like, this show is a little more 
even though Carrie is the main character, you can tell that the writers and creators are Miranda's themselves. Oh, totally. Totally. And and it's like the person who believes in these fairy tales is the person that everyone on the show kind of makes fun of. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of the character that we are laughing at, which is not very nice, but it is she is painted in a in sort of a childish immature Yeah, way, I mean I Charlotte that- is 100% just being like, "Well, I like soulmates and I want to believe in them." And you're just like it's so hard to be friends with Charlotte. It's just hard. It's just hard. <laughs> I don't think I would in real life. I think she would irritate oh, the shit out of so me. Oh, it's so hard. Again, I mean, she's she is the perfect villain. They need her just to have someone to bitch about after they go to brunch. I mean, there's just like this rational scientific side of me where it's like there's just too many people in the universe that you would only get get along with one. And it's like, think about all the crushes you've had. I mean, I've had crushes since I was five Same. years old. It's like if there was only one soulmate, what, I would only have one crush? Yeah, and it's also... Again, it's just too much pressure to put on yourself. You're doing great. Like, you know. Also, it's like it's like when you get in a relationship, like in the beginning, you just think that like everything that person does is so amazing. And then you get to the point where you like you like smell their farts. <laughs> it changes. <laughs> <laughs> great point. Soulmates fart, guys. I hate to tell you. Okay, gal, kick us back. Later, Sam pitches Carrie on throwing a low-key birthday party dinner for Carrie's 35th birthday. As they walk, they end up stumbling on a hot priest, and Samantha can't look away. She even stops by another time to hit on him, but the holy man just won't bite. Sam figures if she can't have him physically, maybe she can have him mentally. I masturbated all afternoon. All right, then. Seriously? All afternoon? Well, two, two and a half hours. Who's got that kind of time? I like to get in and get out. Well, I enjoy a quickie every now and then, too, but when it's good like today, I go with it. I masturbated to my priest. Your priest? Friar Fuck. Okay, I think we might have to get Charlotte a crash helmet. You have a priest? No, 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 no. She wants him, but she can't have him. It's all very thorn birds. In my fantasy? He tears the food I'm carrying for the homeless out of my arms, rips open my dress, lays me down in the street, and enters me. What do you do for the next two hours and 20 minutes? Stop! You are talking about a priest! It's a fantasy! I can masturbate to whomever I like! It's imagination, it's fun, and perfectly healthy. Who do you all fantasize about? Russell Crowe. Ah, jinx! You owe me coke. That's amazing. What did women Hmm. do before Russell Crowe? George Clooney. Ah, Clooney. Clooney's like a Chanel suit. He'll always be in style. I Mm. used to masturbate to a busboy who was rude to me once. What do you think that means? Fine, the cheese stands alone. Oh, come on, Charlotte. Get that judgmental puss off and join in. Who do you fantasize about? No, it's private. Oh, come on, it can't be any worse than a priest and a busboy. We're not moving on till you tell us about one of your masturbation guys. Well, it's not guys. Lately, it's just one man. L.L. Bean? No. Trey. Fantasizing about your husband is, like, honestly the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life. Also, Trey, of all people, the least sexual person. Like she, if she but masturbates just, to Trey, is it just her doing everything and him laying there? Like, what does that even look like? It's just like her being frustrated. <laughs> does it make you horny to not have? Does it make you horny when he jizzes on your leg? Like, I don't even know. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, 
I thought she – I forgot what she said in this clip, and I, I thought it was going to be like JFK or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has JFK qualities for sure. Um, Gal, have you ever masturbated to a celeb? No. That was the most unrelatable – conversation to Thing. me i mean specifically russell crowe i've never found him attractive also isn't he super abusive i, I thought maybe it, did i make that yeah, up? yeah but this came out before that but also the fact he that always had that vibe to me no though. i think he just has he always had angry energy he's just i don't know what it is he's always just been also just knowing he was in what was the movie he was in where he's the the guy the gladiator <laughs> where he was the guy <laughs> gladiator he was the guy in yeah that i mean i don't know i just uh yeah that's it's a very time capsule yeah. to have to have them be like russell yeah, crowe Crow. yeah and then george clooney i guess that one george makes clooney. more sense but yeah i've never I'm i've never to george oh clooney. really i think he's no. i think he's pretty i think he's good looking for sure but i'm not i think he like looks in the mirror and like raises an eyebrow to himself oh. yeah you're probably right about that but then he married a mall and i'm like oh that's like a classy move She's yeah, kind of amazing. Like she's like frumpy. She's still no. Like she's a model. still so hot, but she's like also a genius. So I'll give him a pass. Eh. I like. I just like. I like. I now I'm kind of into it. Now I'm like fantasizing. I'm like, I bet the two of them. <laughs> I bet she kind of like pushes them around in bed. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, do you fantasize, Jamie? Do you, are you like a fantasy masturbator? No, I've never been a fantasy masturbator. So this whole conversation. I mean, it's very fun, and I think it plays for comedy for sure. I love how they both say Russell Crowe at the same time. Um, yeah, I I just don't find it really relatable to uh, masturbate to a celebrity. I don't know. What do you think? Have you done Do you that? just masturbate to sensation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely am not like, ooh, like Matt Damon. I just can't imagine. Or like scenarios or anything? Yeah, uh... Yeah, I don't I don't think that I like the the way that Samantha was like, I did that for two and a half hours to that guy. I'm just like, oh, that's not I just I, I felt like they did. I was like, I yeah, I would just want to speed that whole thing up. Like, that's what I would do if I was like depressed. Like I would spend the day just like jerking off in bed. If I were like sad like and didn't have impressive. anywhere to go. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that's to me, like not that's like sad. That's sad masturbation. I, I think like quick masturbation is like a sign of like, okay. Health and yeah, vigor. Yeah. And like, not like giving up your day for this one thing. But, um, what do you think? Do you think that re- masturbating to celebrities is relatable? It, I think it's very personal. I, I wish I had more of a good imagine, like a sex fantasy imagination. I, I always think I blame it on my Lexapro because mm. like my libido is really low unless I'm with someone. If I'm with someone, then I'm horny. But if I'm not, I don't even think about sex. Like my body is like, it's like a light switch. It's very weird. And I've been on Lexapro my whole life. So I really don't know if that's just my libido or if that's my Lexapro libido. I have a sure. feeling it's my Lexapro libido, but I just bring that up because it's like, I think the only time I fantasize is if I'm in a new relationship and I'm that's having how, a lot of sex. That's and, how I feel. And then I start Same. fantasizing because I'm thinking about all the things we've done and the things Same. we're going to do. I feel like and- I've, the fantasizing is usually about people I know or have like been intimate with. It's never, it's never like, yeah, some like dude from the Oscars. Yeah, same. The only thing that I think I've ever known that has turned me on that I've like fantasized about has been more stuff that I've read. I mm. mean, it's really fucked up, but the only like, like a dynamic, hot book, the two, 
like a harlequin? No. Well, the only dynamics that I think are hot are obviously, if you guys have listened to any of these episodes, you know, I'm I'm 1000% besides masseur client, which is also the only porn I watch. I'm all about the massage porn. Yeah, same. And like that fantasy. I think that's Otherwise, very common for women. I also Pretty think much all that, my female like, friends, again, in fact, we all, I, everyone I've talked to, that's what they watch. It's the hottest for thing. For sure. And then also, this is really fucked up, but like rape slash against my will. That's the I don't o- think only that's, other. I don't think you're alone there. I don't think that's. I don't think so either, but those are the only scenarios weird to talk I about really it. think about. Yeah. I, well, it's so wrong, but, but that's, that's why, why of like, course. I mean, literally, if you've ever read any, like any, I got a, some kind of, it wasn't Harlequin romance, but it was like. Definitely some kind of like erotic book in a in a gift bag once. And it was like some cool author who's writing like like not like Fifty Shades, like some like indie like erotic oh, cool. writer. So I was like, what does this even entail? Because I've never really just read erotic literature before. Um, was it fun? It was. It was. was yeah, it, it was kind of hot, but it's weird to like sit down to read a book and then like feel <laughs> horny. Like it's just kind of an odd <laughs> It's weird to like read yourself to climax. I don't know. That to me is just I don't even know the logistics Wait, that's the like funniest thing. I- <laughs> Wait, read yourself to climax is so funny. It's like I'm coming. Wait, I got to keep my eyes Wait, open. Wait, what paragraph of my sentences? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, these pages always stick yeah. together. <laughs> it's just an odd but it is hot. There's something That's hot so about funny. reading. I, I guess that was my point in bringing it up is that there is something hot about reading. <laughs> Obviously, Fifty Shades was a huge book. I personally, I don't know if you, it is it. truly one of the worst books I've ever read. In fact, I hated it. If you it, like writing, you're, it's You upsetting. can't read it. If you like writing, you will hate that book because she uses the same adjectives. She has like three adjectives. She says things like my vagina does a little samba dance. Did she? Stuff. Oh, I, I didn't like, even Ew. get to that part. Oh, God, that's Ugh. horrifying. No, I put it down at page 90. Um, I remember specifically because everyone was like, like my, uh, in fact, my mother-in-law, her and her book club, they were all reading it at the time. And she was like, what? That's like reading porn I, together. You know, it's interesting. I thought that it, initially, but that it was so funny. My mother-in-law, I hope she's listening to this episode because she's truly one of the funniest people I know. She And she really meant it. She goes, I just like it for the story. She was like, I like it for the there story. No I was story. like, what story? What are we talking about? Wait, I, really I just hope read listening. it for the article. I know. Oh that's what I, I actually said that to her. I remember saying that. It's like saying you like Playboy for the articles. But she was like, no, I really. And she's such an avid reader. She's so impressive. She goes through like a book a week or something. And not during the quarantine, like on regular work days. Um, but yeah, it's I, I just thought that was so interesting because for me, the writing of of Fifty Shades was so bad that I was like, I can't like get horny when she doesn't English. know how to use yeah. a comma. Like, I can't. Yeah. It takes me out of it. And I remember it she, was she used one adjective so much. And I don't know. I don't want to stereotype, but there are a few books that I've read by British authors. She's British, right? The woman who wrote that? I think she is. Um, I believe so. There's a few books by British authors that are very famous, and I've noticed they don't they have the same words over and over again. And I don't know if that's a writing style, like a cultural difference. I don't know. But there have been a couple of books that I've read. Um, I mean, it's definitely not across the board, but there are a couple of like popular fiction books that I've read by British authors and they the, the vocabulary is limited, which is insane because every British person I know is so eloquent and makes me feel like an idiot. So I don't know. Um, E.L. James she's is British. British. 
but it was it yeah i I don't want to put that out there as a stereotype but it has a it has occurred to me i mean i think that the ultimate stereotype is just like blockbuster books are written for the lowest common denominator yeah it's so bad It, it was man what a terrible book anyway uh what were we saying oh getting horny for reading um yeah reading is hot it can be hot. And I, I wish I, oh man, I kind of want to shout out that book. I didn't finish it. I just read a couple pages, but I was like, oh, okay. I, I get why people are into this. Like I get why this is a genre. If it's well-written. Yeah. If it's well-written. I mean, yeah. You know, it's a horny thing to watch that's really hot is um, Outlander. Oh, my friend was telling me that that's really hot. Oh, you know what else it's is really sexy? Okay, Outlander. we have to, I, so I'm going to start watching that because you said that. Also, it's the really horniest hot. I've ever felt was sitting next to Rose Cerno when we went to see <laughs> Call Me By Your Name. We were fucking oh, sliding God. off the seats. We were so horny. It was like 100 degrees <laughs> in my underpants. They're making a sequel. It was like Florida no, in the summer was. down no, there. No, it was the There was tropics. like swamps and crocodiles. Yeah, no, it was the fucking bayou. There were crawdads. <laughs> It sounded like the Disney Jungle ride. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so we were amazing. Dying. Okay, well, I can't believe. Yeah. Okay, sorry. You have to get back into it. Also, that soundtrack is amazing. Oh my god. Yeah, that's, that's no. A when great I heard book. they were that making a, a sequel, movie. I was like, oh babe, we will be front row. Um, yeah, that was that was such a hot pairing of like super masculine, oh my hot god, and then like and little like gorgeous forest nymph. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> flimsy. Like, you say gorgeous forest nymph? I call him flimsy, <laughs> flimsy Chalamet. Um, no, he's adorable. I love. Oh my him. god, that's so he's, funny. Flimsy he is Chalamet. such a good actor, and God, that movie was. But he's only hot in that movie. Everything else, I'm like, oh my god, he looks ten. He looked ten in that movie too. I don't know what that says about me. Well, I had me. pervert sunglasses I know, on. Apparently, <laughs> so I was, I was like, a little bit of a a pedo, if you will. Um, I was like, I'll have a bite of that peach any day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me lap up some of those juices. Um, all right, so Rose, get us back into it. As soon as the clock strikes thirty-five over at Carrie's, she calls Big and invites him to her birthday dinner. And Miranda runs into her old friend Sheila downtown and immediately drops her single-person confidence act from the party. It kind of freaks Sheila out, so she rolls into her married-person version, which was very clever, actually. And Samantha goes to take another swing at Friar Fuck. She drops in on him mid-prayer to donate some peas and see if he's still committed to his whole sacred vows thing. Unfortunately, he is, and Samantha leaves disappointed. Also, for all the fans of Fleabag, this is the OG hot oh, priest storyline. Oh, you're so right. Yeah, I don't think she got it from here, but that's just an interesting wow. thing. Wow, I never put those things together. You're totally right. So Carrie shows up to her big birthday dinner, ready to party, also wearing the outfit of the century. Oh, sh- that that's incredible. Um, long sleeve red halter top and then the high-waisted skirt and then the black mm. hat is just gorgeous. Um But there's something wrong. She's the first to arrive, and she showed up late. Not a good sign. Did everyone forget her birthday? Things start to get brutal when she has to pay for her own cake, which she ends up dropping in the street. This is such a sad scene. What the hell happened? When she gets back to her place, she finds out traffic, mostly. Stanford, Charlotte, Miranda, and Samantha left her voicemails to let her know they got caught up and missed her, but the damage is done. Carrie climbs into the shower to wash the whole ugly night off and go to sleep. Halfway through, Charlotte shows up and freaks her the hell out. They head down to a coffee shop to catch Miranda and Samantha and get existential. The longer I sat at that table, the more alone I felt, and it 
really hit me. I am 35 and alone. You are not alone. No, I know I have you guys, but... And I really, I hate myself a little for saying this, but... It felt really sad not to have a man in my life who cares about me. No special guy to wish me happy birthday. No goddamn soulmates. And I don't even know if I believe in soulmates. Don't laugh at me, but... Maybe we could be each other's soulmates. And then we could let men be just these great, nice guys to have fun with. Well, that sounds like a plan. I'm 35. 35 is not 25. Thank God. I'm 35. Oh, shut the fuck up. I'm 140. <laughs> That is such oh. a beautiful clip. I love that clip. Oh my God. Samantha, it's... shut the fuck up. I'm 140. Oh my God. And also, like, that her. was such an amazing character turn for Charlotte to say maybe awesome. we're each other's soulmates and men are just like extras. What an amazing. I think that's what like, made the scene so poignant. evolution. Yeah. I think Charlotte really sort of sold that scene. Um, yeah, I mean, because not only are we getting another side of Charlotte, but it was such a comforting idea to for anybody just to be like, oh, maybe we can all recalibrate the way that we see having a quote unquote person in our lives. Like we actually have so many people in our lives and, you know, we kind of and it makes sense that we, you know, it's, it's not like we've talked about before. It's it's there's nothing to be ashamed of to want to find that person. But it was nice coming from Charlotte to have that moment of like, well, we do have each other. Maybe, you know, that is sort of the backbone of life. And then whatever else happens is sort of an added bonus. I just thought that was like a really lovely way to look at things. And I think it's great that they gave that to Charlotte because it could have come from any of them. Um, yeah. But, you know, truly anyone could have said that. But I just I'm so glad that they made that choice. The writers made that choice. I agree. Yeah. I didn't like this movie, but I liked the the thesis of it, but the movie about a boy. Oh, I love that movie. You didn't like it? I don't know why I didn't really like it, but I really liked the end where it was like, it's it's not about one person fulfilling you. It's a It's a community. It's a village. It's like we need our nourishment from like a group of people. And that's a mindset that has changed. You know, like a hundred years ago, people were much more community oriented. They went to church, they went to temple, they saw each other on the weekends and on Sundays, and they had big families that all lived in the same house. And now everybody's just completely on their own, living alone, doing their own thing, not really relying on anybody. And that just puts so much pressure on your romantic partner, because instead of having this big nourishing village, you have one person that Esther Perel all the time says you yes. expect to be the most interesting, yep. funny, best friend, your, your lover. Yep. Sister I love friend. When she says that. Yeah. And it's like, I think it takes a lot more pressure off that person if you have a lot of other relationships and then you can just appreciate them for what unique thing they bring. Right, right. You're not like asking. Yeah. You're not asking every person to bring every single quality 
or meet every single need. It's kind of like, it's kind of a goofy analysis, but it is a little bit like how they staff a writer's room, like a writer's room. It's like, oh, that's the reason that you have 12 writers or however many writers is because um, each person brings a different perspective and they bring different things. And when you're hiring writers, you're not trying to hire a bunch of the same voice. You're trying to hire a bunch of different voices. So every point of view is represented and it is kind of similar in the way that you sort of stack your social circle. It's like every person sort of brings something unique and fulfills you on a certain level. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think that's also just a very American thing. We are so well, even though about a boy is British, but it is very American to kind of just like be like, yep, we go through life alone. Yeah. Go through life alone. And yeah, you can add people here and there, but like, really it's just you. Cause like, you know, yeah, when you, I don't know, pretty much every other country is a little more community oriented, I would say. Yes, I agree with and that. And really values that, yeah. Did you relate or is there anything that he, that sort of comes to mind around like Carrie's fear of being like, I'm 35, I'm alone? Oh, like- yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think so. And I think, yeah, I mean, abs- first of all, yes, of course, um, especially because you know, it's something that's sort of obvious, but I mean, since we were children, you know, with all the Disney movies and, um, sort of all the narratives that we were fed as children, it was a lot of like, find your prince, find your one and only, like, you know, literally Cinderella was just like a garbage dump of a person. And then she found a prince and she finally like was able to not have dirt on her face. Like it's the saddest (laughs) It's the saddest narrative you've ever seen. And it's like so funny. I mean, it's like nothing. And then the other people in her life, like her sisters hated her. Like it was just her only friends were literally her only friends are mice. Um, And yeah, it's it's just true. And we love it. And we're like, oh, it's so funny and colorful. Yay. Animation. And it's like the saddest fucking story. Um, and that story is in pretty, it's not just Cinderella. It's all of, all of the movies we watched as kids. So we're just told from a very young age that like, we will not be complete until like our quote unquote prince finds us or we find them. So yeah, I think that, you know, Carrie in this case and all the girls, they live in New York. New York is just sort of a bed of distractions. It's very busy. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot to see, a lot to do. And this is kind of a moment where like Carrie's, I would say like childhood programming or that typical female programming is catching up with her. Um, And yeah, I, I, you know, it's so interesting because I I just think like 35 is so fabulous. I'm like, oh, it's just such a fat. She's just fabulous. Like everything is so fabulous. Um, And I think that the reason that this this was a, this storyline was a little weird to me. I think the whole thing of like everyone not making it to her birthday was just like super weird. I've always thought that every time I've seen this episode, just like, okay, yeah, there was traffic, but like no one could make it to the restaurant for like an hour and a half. Like no one showed up. I just, there was something so strange to me about it. Um, that almost it distracted from just being able to focus on this thing of her being, of her anxiety about ending up alone I mean to me it's more like well wouldn't your anxiety be like what the fuck like where were you guys you know what I mean yeah I mean I think well birthdays I mean I'm single right now and I feel fine about it but there are certain moments where it feels harder than others like 
being at a wedding and you don't have a plus one or a birthday. There's just certain occasions where you really feel it. Mm. And I think a birthday for a woman that's over 30 can already feel um, tough. And if you're single, it can make you feel – it's just – can be hard. It can make you feel like, fuck, like because of conditioning, as you say, like as a woman, I know for me, like it can feel somewhat like, like your viability is like the clock is counting down and that is so fucked up. And I don't want to share that and like make that something that people think, but I've certainly felt that way before. Like even dating online, like, oh, is it going to change when I'm 40? If I'm single, like, is it going to be harder to find matches? And so I definitely felt, I really related to Carrie Carrie's pity party on her birthday because I think I think because of sexism and um, misogyny getting older is loaded for women and if you're single it's not like another year in the can I'm amazing I think what goes through my head is more like oh my god am I gonna start looking older and older is it gonna make dating harder that's just me spilling my own insecurities no all of that all of that is no of course i i mean yes all everything you're saying is dead on um i thought that i just thought that i think you're everything you're saying is right i think that the birthday thing is very relatable that it the there are times when you feel you feel your aloneness more than others i think that for me and i'm only talking about writing I thought that it was such an extreme example that no one could show up. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say, too, just to kind of underline your point, and, and it's almost a little silly, but uh, the reservation was for 10 people. And so missing the other group, the other core four members plus Sanford is only five. So oh, not Sherlock. Skyler. He is Sherlock. But it's just like we're missing five people and nobody could get a message That's what this I'm person saying. I was just like, like what the it, fuck I, I, is this writing? I've always thought yeah, that I agree about with this. The bump. Yeah. That is what bumped me. But what you're saying, Rose, is the is what they what you're saying is the sound what they're trying to communicate here. What you're saying is what they're trying to communicate. I feel like it's clouded by this extreme example that no one shows up to her birthday. I think there are other ways, again, just from a writing standpoint, they could have communicated what Rose is trying to say without making it this like very bizarre thing where like no one was able to let Carrie know that her birth, like it was just so strange. It's always bumped me. There's always this, this is every time I, I see, see what this you're episode, saying, just cause they're such good friends. How could they have all let this go? And also it's not 1960. It's like what, like someone could have, or even not 1960, they had phones in 1960. Call on a cell phone or something. Someone could have gotten to her. It was just such an odd thing. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think it's a tough thing because I like that she's all by herself. Agreed. That part I think is great. I mean, I, great, I think but, that it, it needed to happen, but maybe there was a more clever that's way all I'm saying. To, to get there. It was just yeah, that. It's an inelegant execution. It was an il- inelegant execution. Exactly. That's what I think, too. Um, but I yeah. think that this, it did lead to this beautiful scene with Charlotte. So that's a win. I love that. It's great. Okay. So after the core four hang, Carrie heads home only to find a town car oh, parked God. outside of her place. Mm. Big made it after all. Yeah. They have some coffee cup champagne and toast her birthday. It's pretty sweet, even by big standards. Which brings us to the question of the episode. Soulmate. Two little words, one big concept. A belief that someone, somewhere, is holding the key to your heart and your dream house. 
All you have to do is find them. So, where is this person? And if you love someone and it didn't work out, does that mean they weren't your soulmate? Were they just a runner-up contestant in this game show called Happily Ever After? And as you move from age box to age box and the contestants get fewer and fewer, are your chances of finding your soulmate less and less? Soulmates, reality or torture device? You know what I thought about as I listened to that? I think the way, I, right as I was listening to that clip, I was thinking the people that I have connected with the deepest that have made me feel like I have a soulmate were women. I was thinking of my best friend in middle school and high school that we were like psychotically connected. I was thinking about times in my childhood with my sister. It's kind of interesting that when I think of soulmate, I do kind of think of a female friend. No, I had the same thought um, that I think the closest relationships I've had, I do. Yeah. It's interesting. You say middle school. Like I, I also go back to like uh, my two friends that I hung out with the most probably in like eighth, ninth grade was my friend Bonnie and a girl named Stephanie who actually passed away. It's very sad. Um, But we were together every single day and I'm like, yeah, we had crushes that summer or whatever, but like, it was really just the three of us just kind of like doing the most mundane shit, but it felt so fun. And I was so excited to like get up every day and do it again. And we would just like pile in Stephanie's car and like go get coffee and like just kind of go to the same three places that you could go when you were 14 or whatever. Um, so yeah, I really agree with that. Uh, I think that the way that we bond with women, yeah, to sound like a Charlotte, it's just kind of true. It's just like when I... When I hear them talking about it and like this idea of I think about the most intense moments of connection that I've had and I'm yeah, I think of them as that. But I also think that that sometimes those soulmate relationships, even with female friends, they're just like a real like mark in time. It's just like mm, a moment. Totally. It's like a romantic moment in time, even if it's just yeah, a friendship, um, you know? Yeah. I mean, when Carrie says reality or torture device, um, you know, I think it there is something about when they say, like, do you believe in soulmates? I do think it's a belief. I think it's a choice that you can make consciously if that's how you want to if that's the lens you want to view life and love through. You can make that choice. You can put that pressure on yourself. You can believe that, oh, I, I'll never meet my soulmate or I met my soulmate and he got away or he's still out there or whatever the narrative is. That is a choice you can make. Um, and I, I don't, I, I personally, uh, I don't choose to view love that way. Um, I think it's too much pressure. I agree. It's interesting too. Cause like we're talking about the soulmate thing and I was thinking of the two girls in my head or some, some of the, f- uh, yeah, I think the friendships I had in middle school and high school are coming up because those are the most intense, like everything's just so emotional and you get so close. And it's kind of like the idea of a soulmate, whether it's romantic or platonic, is always kind of toxic because even these girls I'm thinking of that I felt so psychotically close to, those relationships ended kind of badly after years. It was kind of like a heartbreak, actually. Mm. And I think anything soulmate is kind of dangerous, toxic, because it's like, it's that like euphoria feeling that highs and lows, it kind of, it's just like not like meant to last. And it's like, kind of like not a good sign. Oh my God. That's so crazy that I think it that, is. But I do. No, I think that's, a, I think that's great. I think that's true. I think that it is setting yourself up for, 
yeah, it's highest highs, lowest lows. I do think that there's, you can almost like map it to like doing heroin or something. It's like it, 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 there is a manic implication to it. I don't think it's uh it doesn't feel like an even keel sort of like steady plateau. It's really ups and downs. So our final segment, Sex in the City, is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for? Well, it's embarrassing that it had to take COVID to get me back into reading books, but now I'm back with a vengeance. She's back. And I have to say... It's been like the last couple of weeks I've been reading books that just make me want to just lay in bed all day and read, which is such a fun feeling. So fun. It's like summer camp. Yeah. So I'm reading this book called The Interestings. Okay. Yeah. It's like 530 pages. So it's it'll take you a long time, which is good because now we have lots of time. Yeah, um, that's nice. And it's, v- it's very funny. It's very smart. It's about a group of kids that all meet at like an artsy summer camp upstate New York. And like the main character has less money than everyone. She's a scholarship kid. She's not as pretty as her best friend, but she's just kind of like, she's kind of the Miranda of the book. And it's just this really interesting story of like this group of teens that like meet at 15 and they all have their different, like one wants to be a musician. Another one wants to be an animator. She wants to be an actress, da, da, da. And it literally follows them like into their twenties, thirties, forties. And now they're having kids. And some of them like, have been wildly successful and others had to like find new careers because they couldn't hack it. And it's just like so interesting. It's, it's about so many things. It's about like, like the reality of being an artist versus like what you think about when you're 15 and like growing up. And then it's about like the relationships you have and the marriages and this group of kids from summer camp are all still best friends. And it's just like how they've changed. So Mm. it's really great. There's something about, I don't know what it is, but I always love books about teenagers. If they're, I don't know what it is. Like there was this book, I think I might've shared it on the last episode. I can't remember, but there was this book prep that was just about a girl who like went to the sporting school and I read it years ago, but I just remember it was just details about her experience in boarding school and her friends and sort of a lot of the themes you were just touching on. And it was like one of the most interesting reads. And it was just, I don't know what it is about like that age, that age range. There's something so interesting. When you said summer camp immediately, I was like, Oh, I would love that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really, really good. And I have a, I know this is illegal, but I have one more little mini oh, horny for. Okay, what are you mini horny for? Okay, this is just illegal. A second one oh my on. God, hilarious. <laughs> illegal against um, the rules that we make right, up. Right. So, exactly. Because of COVID, all of these uh, film festivals were canceled. And so all of the South by Southwest films uh, are now online at MailChimp Presents yeah, South by Southwest. I saw that. Are you watching them? I only watched one because I I know the writer, director, actress, creator, who's all the same person, and her name is Ingrid Haas. Haas. I knew it. Yeah, I love her. And her film is called Still Wild, W-Y-L-D-E. And uh, I'm, like, writing shorts and shooting stuff, so I just wanted to, like, see what, like, a South by Southwest short would be. And I've known her personally and always really liked her. I didn't really know her work at all. She's but awesome. Fuck. 
I cried. I laughed. It's so emotional. It's like the best version of like a great emotional indie movie. So if you're a creator or if you just want to see something really inspiring, still wild, you can watch it online and it's a fucking fabulous short. And also Ingrid was a part of one of our horny fours. Um, She was the host of that podcast, The Moment. You're right, which I love. We love. So yeah, big Ingrid Haas fans over here. Check her out. She's amazing. And also Girl, just what a really lovely for? person. Um, I am horny for, okay, this is so specific, but I've been cooking a lot. I only cook pretty much. I've only ordered out like twice since um, the quarantine started. But um, so I'm always trying to find new ways to like new things to enjoy, new things to cook. I'm really afraid of like getting bored with pretty much anything i'm afraid of boredom period uh it's very scary to be bored so food boredom is something i'm really trying to avoid actively and i figured out a fun way to enjoy salad which i want to share if you can find it um there is this type of lettuce called little jim lettuce and it comes in Mm. these like little clumps like these pods and Mm. instead of like cutting it up and putting it in a bowl and like mixing dressing in you can hold The little gym lettuce, like you can hold the pod and dip it into whatever dressing you want and just like eat it. It's like handheld lettuce. Sounds great. It's so delicious. There's something about the way the little gym lettuce like sort of sops up all of the dressing. Um, And it's just really, it sounds insane to be like, there's a fun new way to eat salad, but it is. I get excited to eat salad now because I love that there's no prep. It's literally just like grab the head of lettuce and dip it in whatever you want. And it's a great way to just like get your veggies in and not feel like you have to really do anything to get them. That's Super a great easy. COVID wreck. It's a COVID wreck. And uh, I know that everybody is trying to, you know, save money, cook at home more, eat at home more. And this is just like a fun little hack for a way great to gal. get your salad in. So yeah, that brings us to the end of the app. Love seeing you, Rose. Love seeing you. I'm so happy I'm so, I'm sorry if this is so shaky. No, I mean, you know, guys, we're dealing with with tech. It's just <laughs> the way it is. But it's not permanent. This is temporary. No. And we will eventually go back to our studio where everything is nice and simple. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. I love you. Okay. Love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help But Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.